Ring of Fire presents Welcome aboard! It's time to raise anchor as we sail across the seven seas with me, the master of mythship himself, the captivating Captain Thurl, debonair and pirate extraordinaire, collecting ancient legends filled with wonder and adventure on the ship of myths. Buto Ijo, the Thundering Tyrant. Ah, there you are. Come aboard, come aboard. I am Captain Thuru. Welcome aboard my ship, the Komodo Dragon. An apt name for a pirate and gentleman of fortune like me. Arr! Now, now, Jimmy, let's not feed our guests to the sharks on the first night. Uh, you will have to forgive him. He likes to feed fresh meat to his sharks. <laughs> but he means well. Tell that to my leg. <laughs> Ignore the boys. They're in a playful mood tonight. I am pleased you could join us. We're just about to raise anchor and sail under the cover of night. All right, boys. Set sail. Let's see if we can dock at the port of Sunda Kalapa in time for dinner. Ha ha ha! Now then, did you get the box? Come, come now, where is it? You know what I speak of. Show me that delightful little treasure chest. Ah, yes, shrimp paste. Packed in itty-bitty little bags, worth your weight in gold on the high seas. Ah. You know, this shrimp paste reminds me of a legend I heard while plundering near Labuan Bajo. It was about a hungry green ogre with a taste for humans. <laughs> the tale of Buto Ijo and Timon Mas. And it began on a night such as this. In a little hut, nestled in an ancient jungle, where a woman by the name of Mboxfini lived. She had an honest but lonely life, with only few visitors from time to time. But she sorely missed the joy of having a family of her own. Sitting outside, under the night sky, as the fire in front of her slowly burned, she looked into it, lost in her thoughts, petting her dog. <sighs> hard to believe this village was once full of people, full of laughter and warmth. Now it's just you and me. What do you think, Dwee? Wouldn't it be nice to have someone to play with? Good girl. That she is. <gasps> Who's there? The woman reacted swiftly and pulled out her father's knife, pointing it towards the voice in the dark. Oh, there's no need to point that knife at me. What possible harm can an old man like me do? From the darkness of the forest, a face emerged. As it grew closer to the fire, it revealed itself. It was a feeble old dwarf limping on a crutch, his ancient beard almost dragging against the ground. He looked tired and pitiful. Forgive me, child. I didn't mean to scare you, but I was hoping to find the old hermit. I hear he is a gifted healer, and that he lives somewhere near here. I need him to fix my leg. Yes, 
He was here today, but I'm afraid he's gone back to his mountain to study the stars. The old dwarf seemed disappointed at first, and then his sadness turned to anger, and he began thrashing around with his crutch. The dog sensed something wrong and barked at him. No, 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 this isn't fair! Now who will fix my leg? Don't hurt me! I'm sorry, so sorry. Please don't hurt me. The old dwarf squealed in terror and backed away from the girl and the dog. Please, sir, do not be afraid. No one is going to hurt you. Please, sit down. Ah, the dog! The dog! Keep it away, please! Steady, girl. Let him sit. Come here. Thank you. The girl tied her faithful dog to a tree nearby and offered the strange old dwarf some tea and the little food she had. Thank you. You have been so kind to me. I only wish I could do something in return. Mm, yes, yes. These cucumber seeds will do me no good. Here, take it. Be rid of your hunger. I'm sorry, but I cannot accept this. I have all the food I need, but thank you for your kind gesture. The hunger I speak of is that of a family, of a child, a child to call your own. How do you know that? Forgive me. I heard you speaking to your dog. Take these yellow cucumber seeds and plant them near your house. In due time, they will bear you a child. A child? A family to call my own? How how could I ever repay you? Oh, the smile on your face is thanks enough. Please, I insist. There must be something I can do for you. My, 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 said the spider to the fly. Sir? As the girl reached out and took the bag of seeds from the old dwarf, there was an awkward silence. She knew something was wrong. The dwarf's eyes burned brighter than the fire. He stood up and chucked aside his crutch. He took a few steps away from the woman and disappeared into the darkness. His eyes burning in the dark rose up high above her. The little bonfire burst into a pillar of flame that almost touched the sky and revealed a terrifying new form towering above her. <laughs> Buto Ijo! It was Buto Ijo, a giant green ogre with fangs as long as swords, hair red like fire, and nails that could rip the bark of a tree. He was known for toying with the children of the villagers nearby and eating them once he had had his fill of them. She had only heard stories of him, and now she stood in front of her worst nightmare. Well done. You will soon have a wonderful little child. A child that will fill your house with life and laughter. But when that child turns 18, I will come to collect my little slave as payment and as a feast! (laughs) 
As the behemoth disappeared into the darkness, Umbosrini was left in silence, still trying to come to terms with the Green Devil's deception. Oh, what have I done? The next day, Umboxrini woke up wondering whether what she saw was real or some trickery of the spirits. But the cucumber seeds were still with her. The desire to have a child was still strong in her heart, and so she planted the seeds near her house. Days turned to weeks. She watered it, nurtured and protected it without fail, till the day she finally saw it. What's this? Could it be a giant yellow cucumber? As the woman opened the giant yellow cucumber, she was greeted by the cries of a beautiful baby girl. Well, hello there, little one. I have been waiting for you. As the woman celebrated her newfound happiness, her friend. A kind old hermit joined them. My, what do we have here? I thought I heard a baby. <laughs> you are just in time. I would like you to meet my daughter. Goodness gracious! Now, that's what I call a miracle. Never have I seen anything like this. Have you already thought of a name? Hmm. I think I will call her Demon Mas. As weeks turned to months, there was nothing but joy and happiness in Umbuxrini's little home, and the night with Buto Ijo became a distant memory. Demon Mas was everything that the woman had wished for in a daughter. During those years. The kind old hermit would drop in from time to time for tea, and teach Timon Mas strange games, like playing darts with needles, running around in the cucumber vine field, and jumping over river stones. But all good things must come to an end, and soon a daughter grew up and reached the day before she would turn eighteen. Daughter. I suggest you stop playing with your little game before the food gets cold. I'm sure the hermit will like to enjoy his tea while it's hot. Almost done. I just need to beat him at his own game. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Now then, let's see what you can do. Demon Mas was holding some needles and aiming them at a tree. She took a deep breath and let loose the needles with precision. As if they were little spears, and sure enough, the needles immediately found their mark. Ooh, well done, little one. I'm not little anymore. Ah, yes, I stand corrected. You are big, a big pain in the neck. <laughs> ha! You won't laugh so hard once I show you my new trick. Watch and learn. Keep your eye on that bell. Timon Mas pointed to the bell hanging from the branch next to the tree trunk, and then turned her back to it. She faced the hermit with a smile and sent her last needle flying at the bell. See? 
I see it, but I still don't believe it. <laughs> well, the student has become the master. Well, almost. Demon Mas and the old hermit joined Mboxwini for tea. She poured tea for the kind old hermit, like she always did, and kept some bananas for Timon Mas as a snack. I wonder if there are any red bananas. Aren't you a little old to be asking such questions? Oh, I disagree. The quest for knowledge is never ending. All questions are good questions. One must always keep their mind sharp like a weapon, lest... We let it get dull and rusty. Sharp? My needles? Uh, I left them on the tree. Timon Mas rushed off to get her needles, leaving Mboxrini alone with the hermit. You know, I never asked, but I did wonder, why do you play these games with her? Today was the needles, and yesterday you made her run amongst the cucumber vines, and the day before that you told her to pretend the river was made of fire. Well, all that energy needs to be channeled, and a mind as sharp as hers needs to be challenged. Thank you so much for spending time with her. It means a lot. Think nothing of it. She is like a granddaughter to me. But what about you? Me? Yes, you. You seem lost in the thought nowadays, more than usual. I... I just wish she didn't grow up so fast. I wish... I wish I had more time with her. I just worry about her future, about the dangers that await her out there. As a good mother, you should be. But there would always be danger out there. And should the danger come knocking on your door... You know where to find me. Thank you. I found them! Oops. Speak of the devil. Here she comes. The three finally sat down and enjoyed their time together. Later, the woman asked her daughter, Andui, to help the old hermit reach home. She sat with her back to the wall of her hut and watched them disappear in the distance. For a brief moment... She felt nothing but peace. My, 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 I spy with my little eye a happy little house. <gasps> the hair on the back of Mboxrini stood up, and the blood in her veins froze. Whatever peace the woman had felt a moment before had shattered into pieces. Something big was sitting right outside her hut and was speaking to her from the other side of the wall. She knew the voice. She had hoped that he had forgotten about them, about her precious daughter, that maybe he had died or wandered off. Puto Icho. Indeed it is me, in the flesh. I have been waiting. I have been patient and very hungry. But she only turns 18 tomorrow. <laughs> Indeed, and she will make a fine slave. But... 
Don't worry. You can spend another day playing the good mother. I just wanted to check on my favorite customer. Make sure she is ready for tomorrow. Uto Ijo disappeared into the forest, leaving the mother with the grim reminder of what was in store for her daughter. She felt anger, like fate had cheated her, like a puppet dancing on the devil's whims. She was sinking into despair until she heard another voice. Oh, goodness gracious me. I almost forgot my four little pouches. Have you seen them? The question had caught the woman off guard. She looked up to see the old hermit and her daughter. For some inexplicable reason, they had come back. Pouches? What pouches? The woman looked down, and suddenly there were four pouches right in front of her. She remembered that there was nothing in front of her, and yet here they were. Four pouches. Emerald, sapphire, gold, and amber in color. Oh, I didn't see. Mother, your eyes, are you hurt? <gasps> what? There were tears on the woman's face. It was the first time Timon Mas saw her mother crying. Perhaps it's time. Indeed, it is. My dearest daughter, you are in great danger. The woman told Timon Mas about her birth, about Buto Ijo's deception, about the deal, the burden she had lived with every day of her life, fearing the day she would turn 18. I had hoped against hope, but evil has survived. Is he my father? No, just a hunter seeking a prey to toy with. His kind? has stalked children since the day our ancestors learned to walk the earth. With the village empty, he clearly decided to deceive your mother into growing the perfect prey for him. Once they choose the victim, it is impossible for them to run or hide. It is only a matter of time before they find them. He speaks the bitter truth. You must leave now. I will gladly offer my life to buy you the time you need to escape. Her mother's warning and the hermit's wisdom were swirling in Timon Mas's mind. But after much thought, she spoke. We cannot run. We cannot hide. But we can fight. How, my sweet, brave daughter? How can we possibly stand up to a beast like him? It would seem that you are in more dire need of these pouches than I. The pouches? The old hermit picked up the four pouches and gave them to Timon Mas. When the time comes, you will know what to do. And now we rest. You will need all of your strength for tomorrow. Will you stay with us? I am old but not old enough to forget my friends, my family. Bless you. Nobody slept that night, not even Dwee. The dog sensed the calm before the storm. <laughs> As twilight crept closer, 
the silence was only broken by the sound of the kettle bubbling some tea, but nobody drank it. The rooster's crow signaled the approach of dawn, and the doom it brought with it. Daylight had barely broken through the trees when the ground shuddered under the weight of Buto Ijo's footsteps. The hut shook and almost fell apart from just the approach of the giant. This time, he wanted them to know he was coming. <laughs> it is I, Buto Ijo, and I have come to collect my debt. Come out, girl! I am in no mood to wait. The giant's greeting was met with silence. Nobody stepped out to greet him. Your little house will offer you no protection. I said, come out now! The giant clenched his hands into fists. They were big enough to crush an ox cart with one blow. And then he battered the ground in front of him with all his might. The earth trembled and rattled a little hut with it. The birds and animals flew from the nearby trees. When the dust finally settled, two figures appeared from the hut. It was Mboksrini and the old hermit. You test my patience, woman. What's this? You couldn't find a warrior, so you dug up an old man from his shallow grave? I have only come to bear witness to your foolishness. <laughs> is the girl ready? Yes, she is ready. Huh? And so am I. The giant sensed a tone of defiance and looked towards the hut. He spotted his quarry running into the woods. The mother had thrown a bag of red chili powder into the eyes of the giant, blinding him. The giant thrashed around in pain like a wounded beast. When his eyes opened, they were red and filled with pain and rage. I will find her! Your precious daughter will pay the price for your petty little defiance, and you will get to watch all of it! This I swear! Buto Ijo roared like a beast and began his rampage. He ran right through Timon Master's house and every other hut that came between him and his prey, crushing them under his heels and crashing into the forest like a thunderstorm, leaving Mboksrini and the old hermit alone. A clear path of destruction had cut through all of the houses that stood between Buto Ijo and Timon Mas. Oh, Dwi, you're safe, but... But Timon Mas. Timon Mas had been running through the forest, determined not to squander the precious time her mother and the old hermit had bought for her. Already she could hear Buto Ijo. He was getting close. The ground began to shake below her. And soon his eyes were upon her. The branches conspired against her, scratching her and slowing her down with each step she took. No, I must keep going. She saw a clearing ahead. But if she ran out into the open, Buto Ijo would surely grab her. 
she saw a giant skull of an ancient beast. It was the Elephant King. It was believed that the king watched over the resting place of his mighty people. She needed time to think, but Buto Ito was already upon her. She crawled into the skull through the left eye. Buto Ijo slowed down and became deathly silent. His footsteps, now slow and soft. Through the hollow eye of the skull, Timon Mas saw the field ahead of her, filled with cucumbers and vines. She felt an impulse to take a chance and run. But the girl heard Buto Ijo, drawing closer and closer. Buto Ijo started to look for a scent and rested his hand against the Elephant King's skull. It was in that moment that a memory surfaced of her and the old hermit playing in the cucumber field, taking turns pretending to be the Elephant King. One more time. <laughs> I will sing. I will bring the Elephant King, the Elephant King. Maybe she wanted to remember a happier time, but something told her it was more than that. But before she could understand this vision, she found herself back inside the elephant's skull. The silence was deafening. He found her and kicked the elephant's skull into the open, sending her tumbling within it. The girl was thrown out of the giant rolling skull and found herself in the middle of the clearing. There you are. The giant strode across the field and came towards the girl. She saw him coming towards her, his mouth gaping wide, open with hunger, his sword-like fangs, ivory white and shining in the sun. She remembered her vision and decided to act on instinct. Reaching out for the four magical pouches, she pulled out the emerald pouch and looked at the skull of the Elephant King. <gasps> the Elephant King! She looked into her pouch and saw cucumber seeds within. She emptied it into her hand and threw all of them at the Elephant King's skull. The seeds burned bright green like fireflies in the night and dug into the ground underneath the great white skull. The ground rose up and came to life. Cucumber vines exploded from the ground below. The vines wrapped themselves around the Elephant King's skull and his titanic tusks. His eyes burned with an emerald flame. The vines grew into his new legs and coiled together to give him a new body and a long, mighty green trunk. There he stood, five times bigger than any of his elephant subjects, towering above Timon Mas. The king signaled his return. The elephant king stood between Timon Mas and Buto Ijo, his eyes locked with the green giant. He had taken offense to the very presence of Buto Ijo, for this was no ordinary cucumber field. This was a sacred place for him and his subjects. Stay out of this, old one! She is mine! 
The King and Buto Ijo charged at each other. It was a mighty exchange of blows. Thank you, great king. The king had stopped the giant in his tracks. Timon Mas saw her chance. She thanked the Elephant King and ran towards the old bamboo bridge to cross the river. No! The sight of the girl running away had distracted Buto Ijo. The Elephant King found an opening and wrapped his mighty green trunk around the raging giant, restraining him. She's she is mine! The giant began to tire, and it looked like the king had won. Red, boiling rage flowed into every vein of Buto Ijo and gave him new strength. He lifted the old king by his green trunk and used its vines to throw him over his shoulder and sent him crashing across the field and into the forest. Only a few strands of the great king's vines remain wrapped around Buto Ijo. Buto Ijo resumed his great hunt. Timon Mas had reached the old bamboo bridge. It was the only way to cross the great river for miles. The great bridge. I need to cross it. I need to. The girl's feet were failing her. She had begun to tire, but she mustered the strength to cross the bridge. As she crossed that bridge, another memory resurfaced. This time, it was a vision of her and the old hermit playing darts with needles, aiming at the giant banyan tree in front of a house. Do you see the tree? Mm, no. Oh, then what do you see? I see a silly drawing of an angry face with big pointy teeth. Good. Ha! 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 I got him! I've got you now! <gasps> the girl was pulled out of a vision by Buto Ijo's booming declaration. The giant had reached the bamboo bridge just as she reached the other side. She reached for a second pouch. This time, it was gold in color. She quickly fished inside only to feel a sharp pain. Ow. The girl had pricked her finger. Whatever was inside had pointed tips. When she looked, it was filled with long golden needles, just like the needles she played darts with. This time, she knew what the vision was trying to tell her. She armed herself with all of the needles and looked at Buto Ijo on the other side of the river. She took a deep breath, became still, and took aim. Just look for the angry face. The needles gracefully flew from the girl's hands like birds looking for a nest. They sped across the river and started to burn bright and hot like the sun. And then they pulled the bridge towards them. A magical force tore at the bamboo until there was no bridge left. The bamboo joined the golden needles to become a shaft and the golden needles swiftly changed into golden spears. I've got you now, girl. This river is not nearly a... Buto Ejo's sentence was cut short. A volley of giant golden spears came flying at him. 
The spears found their mark, and with great force now carried him back onto land, pinning him against a giant banyan tree on the other side of the river. Butoijo struggled to break free. The great banyan tree shook from side to side, and its branches danced and broke off one by one, as if bearing the brunt of a hurricane. But the golden spears had dug in deep. Keep moving! With Butoijo detained on the other side of the river, and with no bridge left for him to cross, Timon Mas cherished her little victory and had begun to slowly walk towards the forest. But Butoijo could not accept this. I have had enough of these childish games! The sight of his quarry slowly getting away filled him with a wild rage. His right arm broke free and quickly snapped off one of the spears and sent it back towards the unsuspecting Timon Mast. <laughs> the girl thought a branch had fallen on her. The golden spear managed to graze and hurt her left leg, causing her to collapse in pain. No. <laughs> Buto Ijo broke free and strode across the river, eager to pick up his prey. Timon Mas was still on the ground, with her mind clouded in pain. She barely managed to turn around and saw Buto Ijo crossing the great river. The giant was now waist-deep and halfway across. The visions were not coming. There was no time to dig through memories. A hand reached into a bag. There were two magic pouches left. Her hand grabbed onto one, and suddenly she heard a voice. The girl pulled out the sapphire bag and looked inside. It was filled with salt. She slowly stood up, her body still bent in pain. She picked up a nearby rock and tied it to the sapphire pouch and threw it into the river. It began to foam and bubble and a bright blue light could be seen swimming below the water. The river began to swell up and rise in height. Buto Ijo began to have trouble crossing it. His legs fought against its current. Buto Ijo looked upstream and saw a crashing wave of white fury coming at him. It had the form of a dragon with its mouth open. It was as if the sea itself had come to wash him away. In desperation, he tried to grab Timon Mas. She was out of his reach, but before the jaws of the angry river could swallow him, he tore off a vine still wrapped around him from his battle with the Elephant King and used it like a whip to ensnare the girl. Like a snake, it coiled around her ankles and the giant pulled his catch inside. Ah! Butoijo and Timon Mas disappeared inside the raging river. Timon Mas woke up to find herself on the banks of a shallow stream. What, what is this place? The girl had never seen this part of the forest before. As she looked around, she saw a cave right in front of her, and from within the darkness of the imposing stone moor, two fiery eyes lit up and looked right at her. 
and from its dark depths crawled out Buto Ijo. Go away! You put up a good fight, but alas, the forest has betrayed you, little one. Why else, after such a long chase, would it bring you right to my doorstep? No, this cannot be. It seems like the heavens have ruled in my favor, and fate has truly played a cruel joke on you. Now please, accept my humble invitation. No need to get up. You are, after all, my honored guest. The smug giant bowed and gestured towards his cave. Butho Ijo pulled on the vine still tied to the girl's leg and pulled her towards his cave. As he wheeled her in, he began to enter a trance-like state. His hunger began to possess him and drool escaped from between his teeth, trickling into the stream below. I'm going to enjoy feasting on you, little girl. Timon Mas was being dragged to her doom. She fought and struggled to get free. Her heart was beating furiously. It was then that she felt something moving in her bag. She quickly pulled it out. It was the last magical pouch, ruby in color. It had come to life. A powerful magic had awoken within it. Its glimmer had caught the giant's eye. What is that? Timon Mas broke free of the vine and stood up, and took a step back, and then another, and another. Buto Ijo's mood to jest had suddenly vanished. Hey! Where do you think you're going? Home! Uh, don't try running, girl! Buto Ijo started to slowly step towards Timon Mas. She climbed a large rock in the middle of the river and stood up on it to face Buto Ijo looking defiantly into the eyes of the beast. I have crushed armies of both men and beast. What possible chance does a little girl like you have? I am done running. I am done fighting. I am done. <laughs> and so are you. The girl let the last pouch slip from her hand and let it drop into the stream. The river started to boil. What have you done? The giant sensed danger and tried to run towards the girl, but his feet had become sluggish. He looked down. The stream had turned into bubbling, boiling hot mud. The hunter realized that he had become the prey. Buto Ijo was now surrounded by large crocodiles made of mud. They wasted no time and latched onto his legs. The giant battled the mud crocodiles, but his blows would only land on mud. As soon as he crushed one, another would fall. And no matter how much the giant thrashed around, the crocodiles kept swarming him. One of the mud crocodiles stood up on his feet. He was bigger. He was their leader. He had the head of a crocodile on the body of a warrior. 
He came up from behind and wrestled Puto Ijo down into the ground. The other mud crocodiles joined in and pounced on the giant. Soon he was overwhelmed and sank into the mud. The earth swallowed him whole. The mud crocodiles were gone. There was nothing but silence. Timon Mas waited with bated breath, but the giant never surfaced. Buto Ijo was gone. It was finally over. The day was won. Who's there? There was something moving in the bushes. Timon Mas had no weapons left, but she quickly picked up a rock, ready to fight. Show yourself! Dog. <laughs> what do you think, Dwee? Shall we go home and play? <laughs> okay, okay. Come on, Dwee, let's go home. And so it came to pass that the undefeatable giant was defeated by Timon Mas. Ha ha! And that was the tale of Buto Ijo and Timon Mas. Whew! Where's my drink? Ah, yes. Well, that's enough for now. Best to get a bit of rest before our next port of call. That reminds me, I haven't told you what awaits us there, have I? Hmm. I guess you will find out soon enough. But do try to sleep with one eye open. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on The Ship of Myths, a Ring of Fire production. If you like our show, please leave us a review. It really adds wind to our sails. Check us out on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram as well at ROF Stories. The Ship of Myths is crewed by executive producer Anand Roy, writer-producer Niha Sakip, sound design by Sara DaCosta, Vishal Pradhan, Nimesh Shinde, sound mixing by Hot Sauce Productions, casting and voice direction by Ramesh Panika. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Amy J. Cheng, Andrew Marco, Cassandra Spikerman, R. Chandran, and Ramesh Panika, with Ramesh Panika as Captain Tarok.